listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. What's going on, Hartees? Come on. Look, I don't think the devil know what he did. He should have never let us got together tonight. But now that he, we've gotten together, we're going to put him on skates. And we're going to run him out this place. Amen? Amen. We're not just going to run him out this place. We're going to run him out this city tonight. Come on. Do I got two or three people that believe with me? Yeah. Amen. Come on. I'm excited, guys. Before we get started. Somebody should have put a track on this uh, stage because I'm going to be all over it tonight. I, before we start, I just want to say how much I appreciate each and every one of you guys for coming. I want to give honor where honor is due to my pastor. Would you stand up, my brother? <clears throat> From my heart, I love you. Thank you for everything. To this whole pastoral team here at Heart Seas, I love you guys. To every preacher that's standing and waiting to give the word this weekend. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for accepting the call. I know it's going to be amazing. I know you guys are bringing the word to all your wives. I also want to say thank you for coming. And to my better half. Matter of fact, I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that. To my only half. All right. All right. You complete me. <laughs> She's all official with headphones on today, y'all. So don't mess with Aminga. And I just want to thank my team. Would you guys stand up? Come on, team. Crossroads, come on. Come on. I just have, I have the most amazing team. I really do. But enough of that. Let's jump into the word. Amen. You know, reason why we did Crossroads is because all over this city, not just this city, all over this country, drugs have been taking over. And, and we didn't want to just be a, a substance abuse-based type of program or, or ministry. We wanted to be a place where people that had all kinds of hurts or hang-ups could come, people that were dealing with depression, people that were recovering from divorces, people that were recovering from just low self-esteem, whatever the, it, that issue might be, we wanted to be able to speak to that because the Word of God speaks to it. The Word of God speaks to it. And so us as a ministry have taken, taken the mantle to do that. Amen. But I think that we, we miss some things. We miss some things because we can only do so much. We can only do so much. Like Pete said earlier, so you have to be able to accept help. You have to be able to accept help. And in the next couple of months, we're getting ready to have the 4th of July. And I was thinking the other day about the 4th of July. And I was thinking about what it took for our country to have freedom. That freedom actually cost us something. That those people, those, those brave men and women that fought for our, our freedom, fought for our, our, to, to be able to start a country, 
They didn't do that because we could barbecue. Even though I like to barbecue, so I don't want to. I want to make sure you know I barbecue. All right, I'm not holier than thou. However, those days, and I'm not just talking about Fourth of July, but Veterans Day, Memorial Day, all those different days that are supposed to be reverenced, we have reduced them to a pound of crawfish. A pound of crawfish. To barbecuing, to partying, to sleeping in. And I have to say that I'm frustrated with it because there is a cost to our freedom. There's a cost to our freedom. And many of us didn't even pay it. We didn't pay it. We didn't join the military. We didn't fight for our country. We didn't do it. And those days are supposed to be reverenced. Anybody got kids in here? Any kids? Anybody? Any parents got kids? So, you know. When you go to the store to buy furniture, now, let me just say this. Me and Aminga don't buy anything new anymore. We have learned our lesson. Matter of fact, we laugh at you parents that go in the store and buy new furniture. I see parents that go in there and buy white couches. And a kid's in a basket with a magic marker. He's looking at the couch like, I got this later on. This is going to be a conversation piece. <laughs> because, look. The problem is this. Kids don't understand the cost of something. They don't understand the cost. They never ever understand what it takes until they have their own kids, until they buy their own things. They'll break up everything in the house and look at you crazy. Why are you so upset about this? It's only things, mom. But the problem is not just them, but we When you don't understand the cost of something, you're careless with it. You're careless with it. And I want every person in here that that maybe relapses, a chronic relapser, that that deals with self-esteem problems, that deal with all kinds of issues that have been holding them back. I want you to understand that your freedom has been bought with a price. And that price is blood. This country was bought with a price. That price was the blood of our brave young men and women. But your freedom and your salvation was also bought with blood. And that's something that we need to talk about tonight. Because when you understand the cost of something, you will care for it. You will take care of it. You will understand that this is, this is precious to me. This is precious to me. Would you turn with me to the book of Ephesians? Second chapter, first verse. I love this, this, this verse, guys. This is Crossroads theme verse. This is the, the one verse that we fought about and decided what it was going to be. We went to God to figure out what our verse was going to be. This is it. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you once walked. Following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God. But God. But God. Would you touch your neighbor and say, but God. But God. But God. But God. 
Look, I can stop right there because those two words sum up my salvation experience. Because I was dead in my sins. I should have been dead and gone, lost and thrown away. But God, but God. You ain't going to get happy with me. I preach to myself. Because there's some but God situations in here. And I need to see some people that understand what I'm talking about. Come on, come on, come on, come on. He said, but God. Being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were lost, even when we wasn't even thinking about God, he was thinking about you. Man, if that doesn't excite you, nothing else should. Even when you was out there partying and doing all kinds of stuff, God was saying, he's coming home to me. She's coming home to me. That's mine. That's mine right there, devil. That's mine. You might have it right now, but she's mine. She's mine. She's mine. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come to you tonight, God, thanking you, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity, God, to speak to your people, God. We thank you for this opportunity to worship, God. We thank you for this opportunity, God, to hear a word from you. Father God, I ask right now, Lord, at this very moment, God, that you touch hearts. Father God, anyone that may have anything else on their mind, you bring them to this moment right here. This moment right here. This time right here, God. Let them know, Lord, that they're loved and they're cared for. Father God, I ask that I will decrease so you can increase. In your son Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Paul, one of the most prolific writers of the Bible. Matter of fact, he wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament. He is writing from a jail cell in Ephesus. Writing from a jail cell, talking about freedom, talking about grace. And I, I wonder today how many of us are, would even do that from our affliction. When things are really bad, we don't want to go to God. When things are really bad, things either have to be right there in the middle. Can't be too bad. Because then we lose all hope and we don't go to God at all. But it can't be too good either. Because if things are too good, then we don't even need God. We got it. Everything's good. So we have to have things right there in the middle. And I wonder how many of us are willing to say, God, in the midst of my affliction, in the midst of everything that I'm going through, I believe in your grace and mercy. I believe in your grace and mercy. He's writing from a prison in Rome, writing to the church of Ephesus. You know, I was, as I was writing this message, the title of my message is The Cost of Freedom, if you didn't know. And as I was writing this message, I began to think about slavery. I, I really like history. And I was thinking, at what point did a slave realize there was a slave? I mean, when you're born into something, you, realize, you, you don't really see the need to get out of it. Many of you were born in all kinds of situations, born in drugs and alcohol, born in all kinds of depraved situations. And sometimes we get to that place where we don't see that we need help. Because we were born in it. This was all we know. Sometimes it's just, when it's things that we only know, then it's comfortable. Why should I look for something to get me out of this situation when it's comfortable? Yeah, I don't, it's, it's not good. It's not great. But 
It's understood. I know the rules. I know exactly what to expect. Why should I try to do anything different? So I wonder at what point did they realize they were slaves? And I, I begin to think, you know, I got this imagination. And I was thinking, if I was a slave, which I would be a terrible slave, I'm letting you know now. <laughs> they would have gotten me a long time ago because I don't listen. All right. But if some kind of way I did. And I'm sitting there and I'm working and whatever I'm doing. And all of a sudden, somebody comes up and he's on a horse and he got on a three-piece suit and and I'm thinking to myself like hold on what the world is different because until then I had no reference point there was nothing to say that I was any different that I should have been free or there's any anything that I should have had differently but when I see someone free when I saw a man free it jogged me and said something wasn't right because I want what he have. Man, some of you guys should be looking around and seeing stuff that other people have. Seeing the freedom that they walk in. Seeing their families. Seeing how they came from all that back there, but now they're walking in the goodness of God. And you should want something more. You should desire something more. Matter of fact, it shouldn't rest with you at night. You should toss and turn. So when I sometimes when I pray with people, they get mad at me because I say stuff like, God, don't give them no rest. Oh, Father God, keep them up at night, God. Father God, I just want you to give them a nasty taste every time they think about drinking, God. I say stuff, I ruin it for them. I ruin it because we have to understand that there's better. There's better out there. And I realize that in that scenario, the battle to keep someone in slavery does not start with whips and it does not start with chains. It starts in your mind. Would you tell somebody, say it starts in your mind. It starts in your mind. It starts in your mind. If you begin to think differently, you'll begin to live differently. You got to change your mind. You got to, this world can't be good to you. It can't feel good. All the things in this world that you once got off on, it needs to be ugly. It needs to smell bad. She needs to smell bad. He needs to smell bad. Whatever it is that's got you away from God needs to be so ugly to you so you can move. But the battle starts in your mind. And mental slavery is killing us every day. Mental slavery is far sinister than any physical thing because the chains are invisible. And they span generations. Matter of fact, your great-granddaddy was using, your granddaddy was drinking, your daddy was in jail and drinking, and you came up the same exact way. But there has to be a place where you're saying no more. No more, no more. I'm breaking chains. I'm breaking bondages. I'm not going to do this because I want my kids to be raised in freedom. I want my kids to be raised in freedom, understanding that there is a cost. And the cost of freedom, the cost of your salvation was the blood of Jesus. But the price of your freedom will be a changed mind. 
if slavery was only physical, then former slaves would have been able to throw off those bondages the minute the chains came off. But generations and generations stayed in bondage, not through chains, but through thinking. Through thinking. And many of us are still there today. Bondages. Alcohol. Bondages. Drugs. Bondages. Bad relationships. And Jesus said, I have freedom. All you have to do is take it. The Hebrew people spent generations in slavery. Generations in slavery. Some 17 generations under the whip. And those who were set free were born into slavery and had no point of reference on what freedom might look like. I mean, they knew slavery wasn't good. But when the pressure was placed on them, they desired to go back. And many of you, when the pressure is placed on you, the only thing you think about is the thing that got you through last year. The thing that that made you feel better last week. And we run to the altar. God save me. God thank you. And then we go back home and do the same things. Because yes, the minute you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you, got, you found salvation. He saved you. But I'm going to tell you right now that there is a process where your thinking has to be changed. It's called sanctification. And he wants you to sanctify yourself. He wants you to be more like him. To change. We should be more like him. And they ended up wandering in the desert for 40 years due to their thinking. Due to their thinking. Not understanding that freedom costs something. And freedom is scary. I'm not, don't get me wrong. Freedom is scary. It requires me, one, to take responsibility. Freedom requires that I have no excuses anymore. That the things that I do, there's no excuses. I decided to do it. It requires that I get a job. It requires that I raise my own kids. It requires, it requires of me. It requires of me. And for some people, that is scary. And they don't understand that freedom costs something. And our freedom costs blood. And it costs blood. And thinking about what our country has gone through and the brave men and women that have given their lives, it to me is shameful that we sit around on Easter, and we sit around on all these holidays, and we don't even take into account that our freedom costs something. That on Easter we worry more about Easter eggs. We worry about who's on the grill instead of worrying about the blood that was shed for me. And it's shameful because the cost was the blood of Jesus. Jesus laid down his life for you. He had a crown of thorns placed on his head for you. He was whipped and beaten for you. He was hung on a cross for you. There was a cost. There was a cost. He died for you. And as a pastor, I stand here admitting that there are days, matter of fact, there are weeks that the price doesn't even come to my mind. That what Jesus did for me doesn't even register. Unless I'm in church, I don't even think about it. 
And we have to think differently. We have to begin to believe that that blood that was shed for our pastors that are sitting in the front row is the same blood that was shed for the person sitting in the back row. We have to believe and own it that it was mine also. That is mine. It's mine. John 8, chapter 31st verse. I, I just love Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, when I read the Bible, I hear Jesus just telling people like it is. I mean, he was bold, he spoke with authority, and he didn't hold punches. He said it like it was. And here is Jesus talking to people that believed on him. The Bible says they, they believed on him. How many know that there are people that believe on Jesus right now that don't know anything about him? Yeah, he existed, but they don't understand anything about the cost. Don't understand anything about the blood. So Jesus said to these Jews that had believed on him, he said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. But first you got to do what? You got to abide. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, we are the offsprings of Abraham. You know how church people get. You know, I've been in this church for 35 years. I know Jesus. You know how we get. But then we're the offsprings of Abraham. I've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? I'm thinking to myself, I'm not a Bible scholar. I mean, I read the Bible. But I'm pretty sure that the Jews were under bondage at some point. Matter of fact, at the time where they were saying this, they were under bondage by the Romans then. So we got to start with the denial, first of all. Denial is not just a river in Egypt. I'm so glad y'all laughed at that. I was not sure. I was not sure how that was going to come off. But you guys are awesome. And many of us in this room today are stuck not knowing the value of our freedom because we never realized that we were slaves in the first place. We never understood because we have been in this situation for so long. We've been under generations of parents and grandparents that were in bondages. So why? What do you mean? There's, there's nothing different between me and them now. Why should I change? And that is a problem that we have to get over. We have to understand that sin is all encompassing. You can't sin just a little. You can't say, oh, it was just a little lie. It was just a little fornication. Not a big deal. But sin destroys every piece of our soul. And the cost of your salvation was the blood of Jesus. The Webster's College Dictionary, it says that freedom is the exemption from necessity and choice and action. It's the right to choose so long it is our own choice. To me, that kind of freedom is not freedom at all. Because what it is, is it allows me to do whatever I want. It allows me to stay in bondages to sin. Matter of fact, that is not freedom. That is slavery. The Bible tells us that sin is slavery. It is a bondage. 
So whatever that thing is, we sit around and we say, you know what? I'm just going to do me. You do you, I'm going to do me. And it is what it is because I'm a grown man. I'm a grown man, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And the last time Bobby said that, I said, stop it, dude. Use the first name I could think of. But freedom is dangerous business. No one will let you go free while you're still doing what they want. And while you're doing what the enemy wants, he's going to fight tooth and nail to keep you in the same bondage that you're in. That means that you got to get rid of some stuff in your life or it's going to pull you back. I ask this question all the time. How many of you still got your drug dealer's phone number in your, in your phone? If I would say raise your hand, I guarantee you that at least 10 people will raise their hand in here tonight. But they at the altar, they saying, God, free me. they saying, help me, Jesus. But you have to change your thinking. I mean, God is not going to take your phone and go through your contacts and delete your drug dealers. He's not going to do it. I don't care how hard you pray. We can anoint you with oil until you look like a Crisco chicken in here. God is not going to delete your contacts. You're going to have to do it yourself. You're going to have to make a choice to live differently. You're going to have to decide that I don't want to live this way anymore. That's the only way that this thing's going to work. That's the only way. That freedom is going to work. That's the only way that sobriety is going to work when you make the decision yourself. I don't care how many parole officers you have. I don't care how many times you got to pee in the cup once a week, twice a week, three, three times a week. I know people that got pee in their car in coolers. Ready. They, they got ingenuity, that's for sure. Proverbs 23rd chapter 7 verse says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As you think in your heart, that's the way you're going to go. If you believe that you're nothing, guess what? You're going to be nothing. If you believe that you don't deserve better, guess what? You're not going to do better. You have to believe that you are a son and a daughter of Jesus. You have to believe that he have called your name. You have to believe these things. We're so busy celebrating, partying, that we never take time to ponder the fact that someone died for me. I just want to continue to nail that down tonight. Because you've got to understand the cost. Paul was talking about in the verse that we read earlier, he said, following the course of this world. And I began to look up that because it really stuck out to me, the course of this world. And I began to think about gravity. You throw something up in the air and it comes down automatically because it, it, there's a, a larger force that exerts itself on it. Amen? And in our lives, sin is that larger force. That as long as you don't change your thinking, you will be pulled back into this world. Pulled back into the course of this world. So I looked that up. What does that mean, the course of this world? It means a way. It means a path. It means that the world requires you to think certain way. Think about it. The news 
constantly change, tells you what to think. The news tells you who to vote for. The news the, and the world is a course to it. The world is going a certain way. Amen? And the world is unified. They are, they are organized. They tell you what to expect, what to be a part of, what you should be doing, what you could conform to. And this world will keep you in bondage if you let it, if you allow it. Galatians 5.1 says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Man, you got to understand that the world wants to keep you in slavery. So when you come up here and you, God gives you freedom, you have it. You are free, but you have to walk in freedom. He says, for freedom's sake, he has set you free. You're free, but you got to make the decision to walk in it. You got to move in that freedom. You got to operate in that freedom. You go to work in freedom. You come home in freedom. You talk to your children in freedom. What I begin to understand is that we, we are discussing freedom. But then I begin to understand that it's not just about saying freedom for freedom's sake. This freedom that we're talking about is also slavery. Somebody's thinking, like, hold on, brother, you are confusing me. You're confusing me. Somebody tell me what he's saying. Look, God set you free so you can live in slavery. To him. To his spirit. To his calling. That's why you've been set free. You've been set free for a reason. So you can operate in what he has for you. Not what the enemy wants you to do. The world wants to take away this freedom. Keep you a slave to it. Everything God has, the enemy wants to have the exact same thing. So the world implements strategies because the world is organized. One of those strategies is isolation. When I was in the military, we had a track that we had to do in order to be advanced. You had to do certain things. One of those certain things was a reading list. On that reading list was a book called, it's not called a book, it's called a manual called The Art of War. The Art of War is written by this guy a long time ago named Sung Z. So, I might have said that name wrong, but it's okay. You don't know the difference. <laughs> and to this day, military leaders still read this manual. And all throughout the manual, he says the same thing over and over again. He says the way to win is to isolate your enemy. He says it over and over again. The way to win is to isolate your enemy, to isolate your enemy, to isolate your enemy. The enemy wants to isolate you. He wants you to stay by yourself, lonely, so he can continue to mess with your mind. Playing those old tapes, those old tapes that need to be deleted, he's just playing them back and forth, back and forth. Because you have decided to isolate yourself and there's nobody to speak into your life. There's nobody to tell you that that's not the right way to think. That's not right the way, right way to be. It's time to change. And over and over again, we fall because we're alone. Because we're alone. I like that movie, um, X-Men Apocalypse. Anybody seen it? In the movie, 
Apocalypse is beating down on Dr. Xavier. And he's beating him down, and he, he looks like he's winning. And he said, uh, he starts to laugh. Dr. Xavier starts to laugh. And he says, why are you laughing? He says, because you've already lost. He said, well, it doesn't look like I lost. He said, you've lost because you're alone. I want you to understand that as long as you're by yourself, you are on the losing side. You're on the losing side, which is exactly where the enemy wants you. And once he gets you by yourself, he wants to indoctrinate you, to indoctrinate you. It's the process of teaching a person or a group to accept a certain belief, belief system, to accept it on the critical, that, that this is what it is. This is the way life is. This is the way it's supposed to be. My family doesn't deserve anything different, so I'm just going to operate in it. The enemy wants you to look at the things of this world, and he wants you just to indoctrinate yourself into it. He wants you to accept them, even though you know that something's not right. You know that something's wrong. But when you begin to just walk and operate in it, it begins to become normal. It begins to become a way of thinking. And then when that happens, he wants to cultural assimilate you. Basically, he wants to put you in a process in which a person's group or language or culture becomes to resemble those of another group. That means that you begin to operate the same way the world operates. That when you hang around People that are using drugs, you, 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 you know, I, I got these friends, right? And they used to tell me things like, I ain't drinking tonight. I'm going to be the designated driver. You've been in recovery for one day. <laughs> but you're going to be the designated driver. And it does not matter how they thought process is like, they can say that all, all the time that I'm going to be designated driver. I'm going to be designated driver. Sometimes when I go to the counter at McDonald's, I say, I'm only going to get a salad. I'm only going to get a salad. But when she says, what can I help you with? Number one comes out. <laughs> with a side salad. With thousand dollar dressing. But we begin to match the world. We begin to look like the world. And the first thing you do when you want to enslave or control someone is take away their culture. Take away their, their ability to go to church. Give them, give them a job. Yeah, they want a job. Give them a job that has them working on Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday. And the things that got them sober and the things that helped in the long run are the things that the world takes away from you. But we think we're doing good because that's what the culture tells us. And then when things don't begin to operate the way we believe they should, we get confused, which is another trick of the enemy. He wants to confuse you. He wants you to believe that everything that you've been doing was for nothing. Getting sober was for nothing. I just started drinking again. I couldn't stop myself. And then you don't see all the little things that led up to the relapse. There was a process. It was a process. Romans 12, chapter 2nd verse says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable 
and perfect. This verse tells us that there are three ways that we don't conform. One, we must allow God's truth to change our minds. The only way we can do that is hear the word. To read the word. To be here in the house. I don't care. I tell people, you want to go to treatment? Let me tell you what treatment is. It's Wednesday, Bible study. It's Friday, crossroads. It's Saturday, prayer meeting. It's Sunday service. And if it's really bad, I said 9 and 11 service. That's the only treatment you need. The word in you. Allow God's truth to change your mind. Our thinking must change from that old way of thinking. That old worldly way of thinking to a new godly way. And Jesus tells us that the truth will set you free. Because it's the truth that we know. It's the truth that we'll live by. And there's no shortcuts. There's no shortcuts. You've got to be here. Got to be here. Two, you must discern God's will for your life. It's usually the biggest issue people say they have. I don't know what God's will is for me. I don't know what God's will is for me. I'm just waiting on him to tell me what my will is, what his will is, what my purpose is. Well, what church you go to? I don't go to church. I'm just waiting on him to tell me what church to go to. All right. Well, well, do you read your word? I'm just waiting on him to tell me what verse to read. We're just waiting on God, waiting on God for everything. Pick up the word for yourself. We're always waiting for an experience. You talk, I just waiting on an experience from God. I'm just, don't talk to me right now. I'm just waiting on an experience from God. I'm here to worship God and get an experience. Look, God doesn't want you to have an experience. Experience means just a short time. Experience is here and there. Right? It's gone to here today and gone tomorrow. God wants relationship. God wants relationship from you. He doesn't want you to have an experience. An experience itself could be this. You could be coming here and listening to the, the praise team in a song that Sarah sung reminds you of a boyfriend that broke up with you. And you begin to cry because it was a really tough time. And when you started to cry, you believe that you, God, God gave you a touch. He touched me. I was crying. And I just felt his spirit on me. That is not the Holy Spirit. That is emotion. God did not die on the cross for you to have emotion. He died for you to have relationship. Don't get it confused. We're getting it confused. We think an experience is all we need. We experience him today, and that's all we need for this month. And we'll experience him again next week. And no relationship. I'm telling you how to stay clean. I'm not telling you anything wrong. I'm telling you what it takes. It takes a relationship with God. Psalm 73rd chapter, 23rd verse says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. Hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterwards you will receive me to glory. He's talking about relationship. He's talking about relationship. Three, 
Never forget what God has done. Never forget the cost. Never forget the cost of your freedom. He says in Philippians 4, chapter 8, verse, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, there is any excellence. If there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Think on these things. And we're so busy thinking about everything else. We're in here worshiping, and the Bible tells us that they worship us, worship me with his lips, but their hearts are far from me. And we're worried about what time the game is on. Who just posted on Facebook? What they're doing today? What are we eating after church? And there's no relationship. Ralph Waldo Ellison said, Beware of what you set your mind on, because that you will surely become. Which means if you set your mind on Christ, you will become more like him. And that's what it's all about. Would you stand with me? I need you to understand tonight that through the addictions, through the depression, through the divorce, through the prostitution, through whatever you may be going through, the Bible tells us by, your, by his stripes, by his stripes, by what he gave, by what he went through, that's the only way you were saved. That's how salvation happened. But the cost of your freedom, guys, it's a changed mind. It's a mind that's stead on him, that's steadfast on him. Would you bow your heads? Booker T. Washington wrote a book called Up From Slavery. And within the book, He talked about the night that the slaves were set free. And he said there was dancing and there was partying and there was people that were ecstatic and they were so happy. But when the dancing stopped and the music stopped, he said there was the dread on their face. He said there was confusion on their face because They were free, but they didn't understand what that meant. And they were in fear. And that may be you tonight. You may be sitting out there. You may be thinking, I want that. I want that freedom. I really do want it. But it's so scary. It's so scary. It means that I have to change my friends. It means I have to change the people that I know. It means I have to change my job, maybe. It may, it's just so many different things, and there's so much fear because I don't know what's going to happen. And God is saying it's not yours to worry about. I paid the cost, and I wouldn't have paid that cost if I didn't buy everything that came along with it. So if that's you tonight... 
I know that there's this pulling to stay where you are, but I'm going to ask you to come to the front. I'm going to ask you to come to the front. And I have some people that want to pray with you tonight. That want to impart freedom into you tonight. And if that's you, I'm going to open up the altar. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heartseas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.